So I have a little bit of an adventurous um, you know, stream in my life. I've loved to do some things. I mentioned last week, West Virginia. And when I was in um, a youth pastor, one of the things that we did was we took a group in two um, to go caving or spelunking, right? You guys are impressed by that, right? Couldn't spell it for you, but uh, going caving in West Virginia. And um, on a particular trip, there was a moment there that really stood out to me. And it's going to help us this morning, I believe, to understand a simple truth and that is when you are in darkness, I think that the light shines brighter than the darkness, right? And one of the experiences we had was that there was a point when the guide asked us to turn off all our lights and cell phones and uh, it got pitch black. And if you've ever been in a setting that's like that, where there's no light whatsoever, your pupils start to dilate and it tries to capture any ounce of light that it can capture. And then what, what our guide had us do is she had us walk through a place that there was some, some stumbling and we had to kind of lean on the person that was in front of us and walk through and you could feel some sharp edges beside you. And then and it felt, you could kind of feel the breeze when you walked into this next space. And then at one moment, um, she took out a match and she lit this match, and just the light from that match filled up a space that was about the size of this room in the cave. Uh, they called it the cathedral, and it was this, this incredible space that we were underneath. And, and what, what I was reminded of in that instant was that light always overcomes darkness, right? Uh, and, and in that context, I want to celebrate the fact that that as we look towards the future of Hope Church, as we look together today at what will feel like a bit of a state of the union, what's God asking of us as we anticipate what, what we're doing looking forward to 2023, I want to recognize the fact that this morning that they are, there are dark times, especially in our community around us. But I want to also celebrate the fact that the light always shines brightest in the darkness and this morning, as we turn our hearts to God's word, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that reminds us of, of a simple truth. And this is a truth that is, as long as there have been people impacted by the life of Christ, there have been people who've been able to declare statements like is recorded in the book of John, for once I was blind and now I see, right? I want to ask you this morning to consider this in your own life. Consider specifically when you look at your life and the impact the gospel has had. What I love is as I look around this room, I know some of your stories. And that, that some of us, we can look at this and we can say, for once I was trapped in an addiction to alcohol and now I have been set free. For once I was lost, um, had a precious saint after the first service come up to me and she said, you know... Uh, almost 90 years old. For once, I was lost. But through understanding Christ's love for me, now I have been found. And she almost like dropped the mic afterwards. It was awesome. She was so grateful. So I want to ask you, so, so fill in that blank with me for a second. For once, I was what? I, I want to hear. I'm serious. What? So for once, I was lost and now you're found. What else? Another one. For once, I was agnostic. And now I understand that I have a God that I can know, right? That knows me personally. Amen. What else? For once I was, for once I was unbelieving and now your faith is the most important thing about you. Isn't it, Manny? Yeah. For once I was, come on, what else? What? So once I was searching and now you have 
You have Christ. Praise the Lord for that. What else? For once I was. Self-centered. Self-centered. But now I am. God-focused. So, so when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about the one thing that I know, I, I want to recognize this morning, this, last week we've been going through a series through the book of Philippians. Last week there was a statement there that said, holding forth the word of life is the way it described what our, our privilege is as, as ministers of the gospel, that I want to recognize that while you and I are in a time period that may feel very dark around us, while it feels like we're in dark times, um, I had a friend who said this to me about our church, and I really believe it, is that this could be Hope Church's finest hour. I believe that to my core, and the reason why I believe that is I believe that the Lord has provided us a strategic opportunity to reach a community that's around us that desperately needs his loving kindness. Um, some of you may not know this, but Brunswick is the largest city in Medina County. Aren't you impressed, right? Uh, that, that the Lord, I believe, has placed us in a community that's growing around us. And, and as it's growing, I believe that there are individuals that are around us that um, also may have experienced the blindness or the pain or the lostness or the discouragement that some of us have tasted in our own life. And that the Lord is asking us to be people who are intentional about reaching the community that's around us. The, the title this morning is Deep and Wide. And I, I want to recognize this morning that the Lord has given you and I the responsibility as Christ followers to, uh, and as the great Shema puts it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We want to grow deep in our faith, have roots that recognize what it means to have an authentic, true relationship with God. I also want to celebrate and recognize this morning that the influence that he desires for you and I to have is to be one that is a wide-reaching influence in a community that desperately needs it. A friend recently asked the question, Sean, you always like to talk about rowing together. That's something that you say. And I, I apologize. You guys have to put up with my hatred for pickles. And I talk about rowing all the time, right? Amongst other things. But, but, but the question was asked, and I thought it was a wonderful question to ask, especially as we talk about looking forward to the future. They're like, we, when we talk about rowing together, where is it that we're rowing to? What is this destination that you feel like God's calling us to or the leadership of the church? And I, I want to begin by saying what it's not. I, I want to recognize, while we'll talk about today the Lord's blessing on some of the facilities and things that he's given us here, it's really not about buildings. I, I think that building, we, we believe that buildings are pretty much going to burn, right, at some point. They, they are temporary. The only thing that is eternal is people. Amen. And so, so while we honor and thank the Lord for the facilities he's given us and our quirky story of how we have the buildings that we do, that's actually not the mission that God's given us, to have big, beautiful buildings, or even to be the biggest church in Brunswick. I, I don't think that's what God's asking us to do. I actually think God's not asking us to try to borrow and steal saints from other churches in our community. I don't think that's what he's asking of us. I actually believe what the Lord has asked us to do is to recognize that there's a community that's around us, some of which have yet to experience his loving kindness, and to be people who represent his loving kindness 
well. He wants us to be a group of people that goes deep in our faith, but wide in our influence. And, and, and if we choose to do that, what we will be able to do is to articulate, yes, I once was, but now I am. And you can experience that too. I think the Lord um, has instilled in our leadership over the last 13 years a few statements that are still very relevant today. One of them is that we want to be people who know God intimately. That's personal language. We also want to be people who connect well with others, serve the body of Christ well. And then this last one I'll be emphasizing this morning because I think it's a part of the mission that God has for us is to be deliberately bringing hope to the world. So can you agree with me this morning that the gospel radically transforms people's lives? I've I've experienced it. I hope you've seen it. If you haven't, uh, this is a good place for you to begin. I want you to hear with me Romans chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 11. I want you to hear these ancient words that are so profound for us today. It says this, for scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greek, for the Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. When I read that, that is not exclusive in terms of who Christ died for, but what it's saying to us is Christ died for all people. It goes on to say then, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And I say, amen. That's incredible truth. But then the text goes on to say, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are those who preach the good news. So, so when we sing that song, Amazing Grace, And we say, I once was, but now I am. I want to remind you that not all people can say that today. That there are some people who've yet to experience that blessing. And so so it's essential for us as as a Christ follower, as we've gathered together for fellowship and worship, that that we recognize that the deep faith is is through the applying truth, applying the truth of the gospel in our life. That's that's what the Lord desires for us, to be people who are rooted and established in his love and his truth. We we need to have a deep faith. I, I love that image of a tree that's thriving, that it's receiving the resources that it needs so that it can ex- experience and produce fruit. And we recognize these promises that the Lord says to us, like apart from him, we can accomplish literally nothing. So, so we, we commit ourselves to growing deeply in our faith. We take that as a massive priority in our life. And I think that it's important for us to understand the pathway to a deep faith is through the gospel applied in our life. So when the lawyer came to Jesus, recorded in Matthew 22, and he said to him in verse 35, I think he was probably trying to catch Jesus. He was a religious leader. And he looks at Jesus and he says to him, what is the greatest commandment in the law. And Jesus' answer back was, was absolutely spot on. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. That's everything you got. You should be willing to love the Lord perfectly, completely, intensely. Um, but then I think that that man who was questioning Jesus probably thought that, that, um, that Jesus got the right answer. Um, But then Jesus goes on to say, this 
is the great and first commandment. And then he went on to say, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wait, what? What is he saying? He's saying that we ought to have a deep faith, but we ought to have a faith that has a wide influence. So, so at Hope Church, one of the things that we're committed to is, is um, deepening your faith. It's what we strive to do as we depend on the authority of God's word, as we preach and teach his word together. This year, we're excited about the hundred or so people who dove into the discovery program, which is a discipleship program, our youth ministries, our kids ministries, men's ministry, women's ministries, young adult ministry. As we talk about, the desire is to create an environment where you can grow in your faith together. That's a huge commitment of ours. And I, I think it needs to be something that we take individually, personally. Last week in Philippians 2, we studied a verse that talks about working on your faith with fear and trembling or investing in it to take it seriously. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning that, that this ought to be something that you take personal and that it ought to be tenacious in your life. You know what that word tenacious means. I always think of weeds when I think of tenacious. Uh, here at Hope, a couple of years ago, we were doing a service day, um, and there were some weeds that we'd noticed in this area back here, the, the garden area behind the, the modular building. And uh, I think it was Mary Beth Panna was out there working on this one weed. So on the top, it had this, this like little green patch of grass or weed. And then she went to dig that out. It was like a 20-foot hose, uh, the, the roots that were underneath the ground. And, and, and she had to, I mean, it looked like a war zone after we were done because she was committed to digging out that tenacious, nasty weed. I love this story. Some of you might have this in your, um, in your gardens, but there's this particular kind of weed. Some call it a grass, nut sedge or nut grass. Um, that is that kind of tenacious. The, um, a Texan, Howard Garrett, who is a, um, he calls himself the dirt doctor. Um, he has this advice about how to get rid of that weed. I want you to hear it. I think it's pretty good. He says, there's only one guaranteed foolproof way to completely kill nutgrass. First, you dig out every tiny piece of the plant, including the seeds and the nutlets. Make sure you sift the leftover soil through a mesh screen. Then dump the collected material on the driveway and burn it. Um, sweep up all of the ashes and seal them in a concrete box. Drive to the coast and dump the sealed box 20 miles offshore. That's what he says. I love that. It's, it's a tenacious weed. I want you to understand when we talk about deep roots that the, the desire that we have is to create an environment where your faith can grow deeper. I think it's also essential though, if we go back to Romans chapter 10, to understand that the gospel, this is in God's wisdom and his infinite plan, that the gospel requires a messenger. His, his delivery method for the gospel is most often individuals who know each other that express and care for one another in such a way to be able to tell their story. I was blind, now I can see. The, the Lord Jesus died for you to be able to experience this kind of forgiveness and freedom that the Lord has given me. That declaration is what we see recorded here in Romans chapter 10, picking up in verse 14. I read it already, but I want you to hear it again. It says this, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I think God has given you and I a mission to share his message of hope to Brunswick and beyond. We want to commit ourselves to giving everyone in our community the opportunity to hear and to respond to the love of Jesus. I want to recognize something that's important here. And that is there are some people who um, have been exposed to the name of Jesus, but they've been taught something about Jesus that's deeply false. There are some people who miscommunicate the loving kindness of Christ. They would twist it and abuse it for their own agenda, missing out on understanding the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his personal, intimate knowledge of them. I think it's also appropriate for us to be honest that uh, part of the motivating factor that makes me wrestle with this truth is lost people are dying and some people are going to hell. I think it's important for us to recognize this truth. Some of you are familiar with um, a man by the name of Penn Gillette. He's, uh, I think he and Penn and Teller uh, were part of a, a Vegas show uh, for a long time. And some of you maybe like me have been impacted by a quote that he shared one time. After his show, uh, he's been an outspoken atheist, sometimes quite confrontational to the gospel. Um, but as an outspoken atheist, he, after one of his shows, recorded a video blog um, kind of thing that he shared. And I, I want to quote this with you because I think it's very convicting. He says, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. Now, for the context, uh, he was referring to a man who had attended one of his shows and after the show came up and handed him a Bible and offered to pray for him. He said, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. Again, that's a fancy way of sharing, saying share the gospel. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not experiencing eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize um, and who say, just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself. I, the, the, what, in his own words, he says, how much do you have to hate someone not to proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is even more important than that. Isn't that a profound statement? He's saying that if we believe that this is true, that all people that we interact with are eternal, that it is our privilege and our responsibility to act like it. So, so in, our, in our house this last week, I, I was thinking about this. I was really convicted in this area, wrestling with this. So, so we um, had arranged for someone to come to repair an appliance in our house. And if you've tried to do this recently, you'd know that it's like a three-week process. You schedule it. And um, then this, this man came into our home. And, and I'll first tell you that it costs several hundred dollars and our refrigerator is still broken. All right. Uh, so, so that's the first thing that I'll share with you. But, but what I will also share with you is as that man came into our kitchen, um, there was a moment there where I had to ask myself the question, do I really care about this person? 
Do I believe that this person is eternal? Do I believe that God has something that he wants to communicate to this man? And while he tried to repair our appliance and it didn't work out very well and it cost us hundreds of dollars, at the end of that time, he gave me, this man gave me the privilege to pray with him and to pray over him because he was hurting and sick. And, and there's this part for me afterwards that I recognize something that's really important. And that is, there is a possibility that he and I are going to get to spend eternity together because of the way God revealed himself to him on that day. And by the way, that's a little more important than my water dispenser, right? On my refrigerator. But that mindset is something that requires us to ask a question. This has been helpful for me. What does it mean for me when I interact with somebody, even if I don't know if they're a believer or not, to represent to them what, what Christ's love for them would look like? What does it mean for me to show them what it would be like to encounter the living God that can forgive them and set them free? I think that that is the mindset that we ought to have in our lives. We ought to have a deep faith that also recognizes that we have the potential of having an incredibly wide influence for the love of Christ. I, I want to challenge you this morning. This is not optional. Uh, this isn't one of those things that we can, this is actually a commandment that we've been given to go and to make disciples of all nations. I think it's also important for us to recognize that um, this is something that we ought to not take lightly. Charles Spurgeon put it quite um, specifically when he said this. This is a hard quote, but I want you to hear it. He says, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If, if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned and unprepared for it. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God's given us spheres of influence and opportunities for us to allow our influence to rub off on the lives of other people in such a way that they can see the light that has the potential of piercing the darkness in their lives. I think it's also important as we talk about this mission that God's given us the, to be messengers in a dark world, that I think our shared values help us to focus on our God-given mission. In other words, to row together. I want to share with you some values that we have stated as a church family. I want you to hear these again because they're helpful to me. Um, the first is that at Hope Church, we're committed to taking God at his word. We believe that our authority is not because we're, we're cleverer than others or that we are smarter or wiser, but instead that we believe that God's truth is the ultimate truth. We are here uh, and committed to serving Brunswick and the community that surrounds it. We're committed to being all in in the mission that God has given us. We are people who want to radiate hope to others that are around us. I love the name of Hope Church, that we're committed to living up to our namesake. Now, we, we are people who are committed to practicing hospitality, not seeing resources alone for our own benefit, but caring for the needs of others. We, we strive to serve and row together. And in ministry, we don't do all things all of the time, um, but we do the things that we do simply in order to try to have the most impact we can have on our community. Uh, recognize that when we talk about those shared values, that these do come at a cost. They require us to be willing to set aside our own preferences for the sake of Brunswick and beyond. 
I want to show you a map of our community. Some of you um, know our community well, but I would want to just remind you of some simple truths. According to the 2010 census, there's about 35,000 people that live in Brunswick, Ohio. That is the largest city in, the, um, in Medina County. In Medina, there's about 26,000 people. Strongsville, there's about 45,000 people. In Hinkley, there's about 8,000 people or so. And we recognize that our community is growing. In, um, in BB Town, there is a population of six people, uh, as, as far as I can tell. That's what, that's what I learned. So I guess I'm going to have to go check that place out. But there's some others that are on there that you look at the community that's around us. And in, in the biblical context, uh, we believe that the church of Corinth, uh, was, or the city that the church in Corinth was in, was a city of about 90,000 people. That's, that's what surrounds us uh, here around Hope Church. And we want to recognize the fact that these 90,000 people or so in our community, some of them are uh, intimately connected to a church family and they're growing together. Um, our desire isn't to steal people away from other churches, but it's our recognition that there are thousands of people that are in our community that have yet to be able to say, I once was, but now I am. That there are people in our community that have yet to experience the loving kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we see this commandment in Matthew 28 that says to us, and Jesus came and said to them, again, this commandment, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the age, end of the age. We, we know this as the great commandment. And this is not optional, but this is God's expression to us to say to us that our influence ought to be wide in the community that he's placed us in. I want to celebrate with you this morning that God has uniquely placed us as a church in this time and place for his purposes. As a church family, we have been incredibly blessed. I, I want to celebrate the fact that um, many of the ministries that we had happening before COVID and the reality of shutting things down have been resuscitated. They've started back up and they're continuing their mission towards discipleship. I'm, I'm, I celebrate the fact that for the most part, Hope Church is an all-volunteer army and they're servant leaders that are amazing, that are serving in every ministry that we have here as a church. We're, we're thankful for the strategic partnerships that have grown and developed through our missions ministry. And I think they're stronger than ever. Ministry partnerships like Medina Creative Housing, the Oaks Family Center, the Oasis of Hope, Hope for the Homeless. Uh, I'm thankful for our interaction, international workers that we've seen um, uh, our partnership and collaboration with them grow, where we get to, to Skype and connect with them and support them financially, where their burdens feel a little bit lighter for them because of our intentional commitment and missions giving as well. Uh, we want to celebrate the fact that we've been blessed financially this last year. We uh, we were able to refinance our loan in a way that um, uh, allowed us to lock in. Uh, we had a variable rate loan that we were able to lock in earlier in the year, and it allowed us to not have to experience a lot of the, in, the inflating cost of, of loans. We were able to acquire uh, the Orthodox building that's across the way here. Some of you have driven by this building many times. Maybe you joined us for our special prayer night that we had there. Um, but that building, um, the leadership of that church offered for us to purchase that building because they couldn't sustain it. 
Um, we acquired it for about $20,000. And um, just a few months ago, that building appraised for over $600,000. And we look back on that and we don't, we recognize this isn't about buildings, but we recognize the fact that the Lord has blessed us and provided for us in a special way. I also think that the Lord's blessed us with an awesome staff team. We're thankful for the Richards family, um, the new inclusion of them in our church family. And we celebrate the ongoing provision that the Lord has had for us as a church. Um, I think that the blessing kind of, uh, what's the the quote? With great power comes great responsibility. Is that like Spider-Man or something? Uh, That there's there's a recognition that we do have an intense responsibility to reach the needs of our community. Uh, I have a friend who um, shared this story with me. He's now a pastor in uh, the Carolinas, but he, uh, in high school, grew up in Michigan. He was a football player, gifted running back. And my friend Scott tells the story of of the fact that he, um, when he was in high school, later in his high school years, he was invited to attend a youth outreach event and um, over time, he built a relationship with somebody, shared the gospel with him, and he became a believer. So that wasn't something that he was exposed to in his home, uh, but it was something that he encountered at a, an outreach event and as a youth, as a student. Um, and then when he went back to school, um, uh, he, uh, on his football team, started to notice that there were some of the guys that were at the church that were, um, that attended his high school and and at one moment, Scott tells the story that he, he literally physically picked up one of his fellow football players, threw him up against a locker, and he said to him, why is it that you never shared the gospel with me? You imagine that moment? He's, he's expressing something that I think is appropriate, and he's saying that this is so powerful. If you believe that it is so powerful, if it's such an impact, had such an impact on your life, then the expectation is that you are someone who is committed to sharing it to other people. I think that it's important for us to clarify something, and that is while we do have a wonderful opportunity to be a part of a movement of sharing the gospel, when we own our own story, when we recognize that I once was something, but now I'm something else, I think that the Lord has blessed us and placed us here in Brunswick on purpose and for a purpose. But I want to challenge you in one maybe misperception. I think we often talk about invitational ministry. That is where we um, express to our community, hey, you can come on in. You're welcome at Hope Church. And we're going to keep doing that. In fact, we're committed to that. In our budget for this next year, there's a substantial amount of money that has been committed to, to introduce ourselves again to our community. And some of you might say, well, why would we do that? Well, uh, I, I love this, this one story. When we were first planted, there's a wonderful couple that's here at Hope Church um, that it was a newspaper invitation to come to Hope that they saw and um, that drew them to come to visit Hope early on. And they are a wonderful member of our church family today. So uh, what a tiny investment to be able to see the fruit come from that. And so as we look to this next year, one of the things that we're committed to doing is to not assume that people who drive by on Pearl Road know who we are, but we're going to be creative and do an excellent job of trying to communicate to them an invitation to come. But here's what I want to challenge you in. I uh, was at a conference this last week with pastors of churches in our denomination of similar size to Hope Church. 
And a statistic was shared that was very helpful for me. And I want you to first see if you can answer this question. So what percentage of people who visit healthy churches do you believe actually become a part of a healthy church? So what percentage? So um, of those who are invited and who make it into church, what would you guess that it is? So can you, can you guess that? Some of you think about it. So, so two, what is it? Two and a half to three percent. He's cheating. Uh, so Manny, Manny is actually accurate. They say between three and five percent of people who come to visit a church that they um, they make that uh, their church home. And I want us to remember that as we talk about growth and investment in our church and our community, that more than likely, while it is important for us to be um, to invite people to come into our community here. Uh, we also recognize its limitations and the, the fact that it is hard to connect at times. And we're going to keep doing the best job we can to welcome people into our community and practice hospitality and be deliberate about doing that well. But I also believe that the Lord's asked us to do something that's very important. And that is when we talk about wide influence, that he's asked us to be incarnational. Uh, that's a fancy word. It describes what Jesus did, actually. So when Jesus entered, he, when he came to the earth, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, basically, it's just saying that, that we recognize that the Lord has placed us in our community on purpose and for a purpose. And the desire that the Lord has for us is to be people who are willing to engage with them and to communicate God's loving kindness to individuals where they are at. So yes, that is harder ministry. That's more challenging ministry. But I believe that it's partially what the Lord has asked of us. When he says, go therefore and make disciples, it is not just to have a wonderful welcome mat outside of our doors, but instead as a church family, it also means that we're people who recognize what it means to deliberately pursue others. I truly believe that 2023 and the years ahead have the potential of being the finest hours in the history of Hope Church. I do believe that the light shines brighter in the darkness and there are good days ahead for us. This, this year, we're going to celebrate in our annual meeting numbers of people who've been baptized, numbers of individuals who've made professions of faith in 2023. And I just want to uh, encourage you and challenge you. What I, I believe that the Lord's asking of us to do is to see that multiplied in 2023, that our influence increase in our community. And I recognize that this is um, the, the, the ship that is Hope Church. It's bigger than one person can, can, can navigate it. It requires a, an army of us uh, committing ourselves to serving uh, deliberately and passionately to advance the mission that God's given us. And so I want to remind you that you have a seat on that um, boat. You have an opportunity to be able to row together towards this end. That, that this is the way that the Lord launched the earliest churches. And I believe it's how he will continue to uh, allow us to function as a lighthouse in a dark world that's around us. They desperately need the Lord's loving kindness. And so for each one of us that is able to say some version of, for I once was, but now I am. I, I want to encourage you that we're praying for you that you would grow deeper in your relationship with the Lord, but also willing to allow your influence to spread to what we believe is a world that's around us that desperately needs it. And I will remind you once again that the light 
always shines brightest in the darkness. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this morning and I thank you for our Hope Church family. I ask for each one of us that this uh, recognition of your deep provision for us would spur us on to love and good deeds. Lord, I thank you that that declaration of our own story of what you've done for us, Lord, that you would allow us to have that same passion and desire for those who are in the community that's around us. I pray tonight or this afternoon that you would bring to our minds those who don't yet know you that are a part of our circle of influence, that you would allow us to be people who represent your loving kindness well to them. We ask, Lord, that you would do like what you did um, even this morning in the life of one individual where they were able to express that I once was lost, but now I am found. I pray that you would do that again and again and again, and you'd give us a front row seat to be able to experience your provision and your glory. Why? Because we believe that the Lord Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Father God, I pray that you would strengthen our passion and our commitment to go deep in our relationship with you. I also humbly pray, Lord, that you would expand our capacity to have a wide influence in our community. I pray that, that as we talk about that, that that would be a personal investment of our time, of our treasure, and of our talents in order to be a part of your glory, what you're doing. I pray that this morning as we receive our tithe, you receive our tithes and offerings, Lord, that you would allow us to not do this grudgingly or out of necessity, but instead that we would see every ounce of resources that you've given us as uh, yours, as an opportunity for us to worship you through giving back to you our best. Um, Lord, I pray that we would recognize the intense responsibility that a church like ours has to steward well every resource that's been contributed. And so, Lord, I pray that we would continue to do that well, that you provide and bless, that you would be glorified in the way we choose to invest our lives for your glory. Would you receive our offerings in a manner today of, that is worthy of you? And we pray that as we close our time out and worship, that you would be glorified at Hope Church. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. All God's people said, amen.